Welcome to the Agree to Disagree show, a show that discusses news, politics, and pop culture with your host, Luigi C. I want to see how many people I can agree to disagree with. We will try to solve life's great mysteries. Why is the sky blue? Why do we lean left or right? Why are we all nuts? Let's start the show. Welcome, everybody, to episode 52 of the Agree to Disagree show, where we discuss current events, politics, pop culture, and social issues. This episode is brought to you by our main sponsor, CigarNights.com, where all you cigar aficionados can get your cigar accessories, and Audible.com. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers, celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. Sign up now for your free 30-day trial and ebook at audibletrial.com backslash agree to disagree guys tonight i have a special treat i've been trying to get phil on my uh, show uh for quite a while and he is a, a local montrealer filmmaker video creator at balabanos creative podcast host at this just thing fill my hole and the morning show with the, uh, the uh, pantelis comedy platform please welcome to the show phil balabanos Oh, there I am. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Was that a good intro? Uh, I, excellent. Except this just thing no longer exists. Oh, okay. Well, how I come? mean, uh, I noticed you put it in the in the shares, but I was like, yeah. I don't have the heart to tell them because I missed this just thing, so I, <laughs> I just didn't. But for anyone curious, there are over one hundred episodes of it on YouTube, free to watch. I mean, you can oh. watch me. And Pantelis's weight fluctuate over the course of three years. <laughs> we were going twice a week at one point. The, well, the weight, yeah. So then, obviously, once the COVID started, I mean, then the, that's when the weight starts going up, Co- right? No, COVID was the end of this just thing because we okay. both we shot our last episode the day before lockdown, mm-hmm. and then we both caught something. Might have been COVID. I don't know. Oh. And uh, we were both very sick, and we didn't want to risk it because we didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, we the studio. I thought it's a very long story how this just thing came to no longer be. Okay. But long story short, we moved, and in the process of the move, um, the new studio couldn't accommodate the acoustics for uh, this just thing because it's a very it's not podcasting. It's it's a YouTube show. Yeah. And uh, by the time we had everything built and set up and soundproof, the morning show had really picked up a lot of steam. Mm-hmm. And this just thing is just a a hyper-stylized version of the morning show (laughs) with the same content. So we weren't going to do two shows that source their information from the same place. It's just current events. Yeah. Yes. This just thing was way wackier. Um, Yes, it was. I I was the straight man on this just thing. We didn't have George, but like I wasn't doing any research. (laughs) We were the, we were the only real fake news on the internet. Like us and the Beaverton. (laughs) But you know, it's funny how, how, how that's all changed, eh, Phil? How we've 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 become sort of the non-fake news now when we're talking about current events or giving our opinions on certain things because like we don't have a dog in the race, right? I mean, when you say we, you mean me and you or just like this type just, of media in general? Just just this medium in general and also I don't know that I would agree with that, to be honest. Yeah. 
Uh, That's great for the show. Let's agree to disagree. (laughs) I mean, yeah, there's a lot of uh, important truths in podcasting because it's a free medium. Yeah. But there's also the guise of freedom, which isn't freedom. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these podcasts are backed by serious money. I don't mean you or me. I mean, nobody backs me. They'd be fucking crazy to do that. (laughs) Um, So, like, everyone has an agenda. Everyone has an agenda. And, like, I see people standing by what the CDC says, for example. Yeah. And then, then other people saying, no, well, Rogan had this guy on. He's the only guy asking the right questions. But if you really, I, I like Rogan. I mean, I used to, when I was a fucking Stampy McStamper government guy before yeah. I was living this life, uh, I used to listen to Rogan all the time. I used to shut my brain off and listen to him talk about fucking human growth hormone and crazy <laughs> shit back then. Um, but like, he has a horse in the race too. He's been completely and utterly defaced by mainstream media now they've come at him yeah so he's not gonna back down he's joe rogan right no he kind of doesn't need to back down anymore right i mean if if he's got the platform right and he's the big he's arguably the most important outlet as a medium maybe not as news i wouldn't call him a news outlet yeah but like if you listen to like when he had mccullough on and when he had Mm -hmm. malone on he did everything. And I'm not saying anything they said was right or wrong. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to sit here and talk to you like we're both doctors, right? Yeah. Like, let's not pretend. No, let's But not. if you look at the type of questions he asked them, he did exactly what the mainstream media accuses people of doing. He lobbed them softballs. That's a good point. He did. And, and, and he sometimes asked and answered. He asked a question with his answer in it. Not saying it's some conspiracy and they had spoken and they colluded. He just, he knew the answer and he just wanted to stress it. And he used them as a mouthpiece. He might be right. I don't fucking know. I'm a film yeah. guy. Yeah. But let's not, let's call a spade a spade. Let's not pretend like he's this objective philosopher king. He's not. Okay. I so like let Joe me... Rogan. Let me preface that again. I mean, not preface, but prologue. Uh, well, the one after, whatever. That's <laughs> <laughs> not the end. The, let me no, epilogue that by saying yeah. I, I enjoy Rogan. I, I think it's important that people like him exist. But, no, let's call here. it what it is. No, I, I, I agree with you. So then that leads me to another question is, mm-hmm. so who, not, not necessarily who's telling us the truth or who is asking the right questions and non-leading questions, but who could we think, who could we look to, to get a really a non-partisan type of show? If, if you're telling in me. What, you're thinking, in what the field? Like I'm just, what, I'm, in just general? In, in general, for what I'm why I'm asking the question is because if now if if we're technically saying that Joe is kind of compromised as well, yeah, I'm not saying he's compromised. Not... I'm just all I'm saying before we go down this rabbit hole. Yeah, all I'm saying is <laughs> nobody even knows who I am. I'm just like I've gone down a rabbit hole. Yeah, it's okay. Um, it's cool. We'll get to all that. All I'm saying is see him for what he is and what everyone is. Everyone has a horse in the race. Yeah. I mean, even I have a horse in the race, and I'm pretty bipartisan in all my opinions. Like, I will, I, I mean, if you you follow us, but if anyone listening yes. has like followed my trajectory through Pantelis's network, which is where I get most of my exposure because my real work is behind the camera. Yeah. Um, I started off as like a flag burning leftist. <laughs> like, that's where my origins are in like fucking the the partisan. Like, you know what I mean. <laughs> It's funny, we kind of had the same type because I, I had this awakening, I would say in in my 40s when I started, I've always been one to question everything, Phil. I think we're very, I mean, I've listened to Phil my whole and I've watched you on the... On, I mean, on, if you listen to Phil my whole, you know me better than most people. Yes, like, 
I, exactly. I'm the most honest I ever am when I do and podcasts. So why is it that guys like us, left-leaning, um, federalists, left-leaning, lets me believe, could do a literally a 180, I'm not going to say 360, but a 180, and just open up our eyes and start to question everything. You know, I always, we talked about our kids a little bit off air. I always yeah. tell my kids that, guys, you got to think for yourself. Sort of what I'm telling when I do my post today, um, anywhere, my post through my podcast or my post on Facebook or Twitter, or whatever it may be. Guys, just, I'm not telling you what to think, but think for yourself. Yeah. So Look, why? You, you said so right at the beginning, how yeah. guys like us, left-leaning sort of federalists, like, so... I can't speak for you, obviously. I, I yeah. can't. Uh, I've never. I would never consider myself a federalist, to be honest. I'm also not a separatist. I have deep uh, psychological issues with the very existence of Canada. That's a whole other fucking conversation. We, uh, another pretend podcast. country that only became a country four years before I was born. I was like, what? <laughs> I only found out like five years ago. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, and and even at that, you know, and, and we had yeah. a good like 25 years, but now whatever. I don't know what we are now. Um, but my trajectory. Like my my ethnic background plays a huge role in my my political opinions, right? Yes. Um, and I don't mean like all immigrants in Canada they vote liberal. Like that's not what I'm trying to say. Um, like my father's family comes from a, my family comes from Greece. Like where my family is from Greece, not my parents, my grandparents. Okay. My parents were born and raised here in my real homeland of Cote d'Ivoire. Uh, so that changes a lot, right? Just that aspect changes. Just that should have changed a lot more, but I grew up in a state of cultural arrested development. So, <laughs> no, but it's true, and so did you. Yeah. Yes. Right? The, in the old, the way it was in the old country, this this idea that that's still how it is, which it isn't, if you've ever yes. been to Greece or Italy. Yep. Um, so, Greece has a, a very dark and unknown history that starts in the late 20s and ends in like the 80s. Where the country, and I mean, and this predates those those decades. Like, yes, it, the, the schism started much earlier, where the company, the the entire country, not the company, was divided into left and right, or monarchists and parliamentarians. Um, and my mom's side of the family comes from like radical leftist communist background, that region. <laughs> and my dad's side of the family, which is like a twenty five minute drive away, they were monarchists, and then later nationalists, and someone, some of them were probably fascists. In the Greek sense, not in the Italian. Yes. Thank so God. growing up around that, like my great-grandfather, my mom's grandfather, who, I mean, died in the 70s, he died as a prisoner of war to the Greek government for being a communist. Like, Incredible. that's not a long time ago. That's my great-grandfather. My no, mother knew him, right? So this this exists for most Greeks who have who still have ties with Greece, right? So yeah. as I was growing up, I would... I would meet people from Greece. I would meet other Greeks here. I would meet anyone, really. And we'd have these conversations. And I was always very curious about these sort of things. And I love history. Um, so I started to, like, zigzag through my own family's history. So as a, as a teenager, I mean, one of my biggest claims to, like, fame, which I don't have any fame, but, like, successes in my filmmaking career, was making a film about the Greek neo-Nazi party. Right? Okay. And I mean neo-Nazi, I'll use it in quotes because they're not really neo-Nazis, they're something else. Um, that same party who I really pissed off when I made my movie, who uttered unkind things to me, let's say, leave it at that, mm -hmm. um, in the streets of Montreal. <laughs> um, <laughs> that same party, 10 years earlier when I was a teenager, I was communicating via like handwritten mail with their leader who was in jail. 
Because I thought his party was the coolest thing ever. Wow. I didn't know they were neo-Nazis. I was just a kid. All I saw was a bunch of guys who loved being Greek and they had a cool uniform and they would salute and it looked interesting. You know, like <laughs> fucking branding is everything. And then from that, as I got older, I mean, I very quickly realized what they were within mm -hmm. like a year or two. And then I fell into a group of like leftist students in university. And like, I went down a completely different path. So like, I've been on both sides of this argument. Yeah. I've been on both sides of the spectrum. And I'll tell you the same thing that I tell everyone. Both of them believe the same thing. We all believe the same thing. That our opinion is more important than everyone else's. <laughs> that is every political ideology I've ever come across. That's a good point. That's I believe in democracy, but I also see how dangerous it is. It uh, is. It, it can be subverted very easily. I mean, I'm, I'm Greek. I'm since I'm talking about it. Like Socrates was killed. He was murdered by the demos of Athens because people didn't agree with the shit he was saying, and they voted to kill him. So, I mean, there are pros and cons to everything. But how does someone like me, someone like you, flip flop? I mean, I think it's a natural progression. If you're not changing your mind, if your if your opinion is set in stone, there's something wrong with you. You well, can't that's... ever stay on one thing. No, but see, that's where the danger lies, I believe, is when people cannot see that there is a danger in certain ways of thinking. I'm not saying that one is more dangerous than the other, but when people are just blind and just trusting and all, all trusting and just looking at the government for solutions and say they're not doing anything, they're, not, they're doing everything in our best interest, that's when it becomes dangerous, right? And I'm I not mean, saying... It's kind of hard to believe. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? Like so many corruption scandals over the last, I don't know, the history of humankind. Um, at some point, you must realize that you give anyone a little bit of power. Like if I was in fucking charge, you'd all be locked in your houses and I'd be <laughs> counting my money. Like I'm corruptible. You're corrupt. We're all corruptible. Give us a bit of power and we'll lose our minds. Okay. So, like listen. I see Poseidon here. He gets power by who he can give the bathroom key to sometimes. <laughs> and he's like fucking losing you you bring up a very good point it's true power could do could could blind the most honorable man and woman i i totally understand what you're saying so I've since you never had power even a little um, bit a tiny bit like a manager position anything uh, yes i did have a manager uh, and i'm going to and i'm going to admit yeah i got to my head yeah, it of absolutely course it did. did i was a dick of yeah of course it did absolutely i tried you know you know you know Phil, when you're starting they say, oh, you go in with all the great ideas. And you're like, I'm going to be a difference maker. I'm going to be a mm -hmm. great human. I'm going to care. But the minute that one of them screws you, one of those employees screws you, you become the biggest asshole in the world. And the power gets to you. And it's very easy. So I could, you know, listen, I studied politics. And I'm not surprised with what's going on. I understand. And I understand how the system works. Um, or doesn't. Just, or doesn't. I mean, I, yeah. and I, we haven't even talked about your filmmaking video. But yeah, we'll get there. I mean, Since it's all intertwined anyways. Yeah, it, it is. And, and I'm really intrigued by that, by the way. But, okay, so here's the thing. What I'm concerned about and what I want to ask you, and you guys have talked about it, is, and no one seems to be able to, and I don't think you're going to be able to give me the answer. But I let's, probably won't. I don't even know the question. Exactly. Okay, so yeah. Canadian government, Quebec government, how they've handled all this. Mm -hmm. Phil, is it me? Is it like they're doing it on purpose to consistently do the wrong things? Why see why 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 would a government why would a government consistently do the wrong thing? Consistently. It depends and, who you think the wrong thing is. Okay, well, that's good. Okay, I mean it's all it's all relative. I understand that. So let's say, okay, for example, let's not fix the healthcare system in Quebec. Let's just blame the fact that it's not good 
for all the measures that I'm putting into place right now. And I'm, of course, I'm talking our, our wonderful premier, Legault. Look, the healthcare system has been broken since before I was born. Exactly. Um, and every government has blamed the previous government. Right? So what? when does that change stop? That's what I'm at. Why is that it no one... Will... when accountability gets put into the system. So never then. Have. So no, no, absolutely not. No, never, never. Absolutely not. I mean, I used to hate the idea of having a two-tiered system. But like, as I get older, I can kind of see the benefits of maybe having a two-tiered hospital system in this country. I do. I, I mean, there are a lot of philosophical questions that come up that even the fact that I just said that make me feel like an asshole. Um, but, but, but it would actually make the, the public system stronger because it would have less people in it. But like everything they're saying about the hospital system right now, I have a hard time believing that it's in the cities. Like I was at the Jewish on... What's today? I don't even know. Uh, it's Thursday. The Today's Thursday. Monday 20th. night, I went to the hospital. I went to emergency for myself. Okay. Um, because after I had COVID. Uh, yeah, you were still having a cough. And and I got I wasn't feeling well. So after the COVID had passed and I still had residual symptoms, I went to see my, my like a walk-in doctor at my family medicine clinic. Mm-hmm. And not my own doctor, but a doctor. And he kind of just, you have this. I was like, okay. And he gave me medication. <laughs> Which oh, yes. actually made me way worse. Yeah, I'm gonna make so you. So by the story. third day of taking it, I was like, chest pain, coughing. I was like, I'm going to the emergency. Uh, long story short, it was just the medication. I was misdiagnosed. I'm fine now that I stopped taking it. But I was in and out of there, man. If I had gone to like 40 West, I would have still been eating my steak. I had gotten out so fast. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me, Phil. Empty. And I asked him, and I was asking a bunch of other questions. Then we got into like a COVID discussion. I go, I'm sorry, man. I'm wasting your time. You're so busy. He goes, No, it's quiet tonight. It was a full moon, a blizzard, and COVID in one of the densest parts of the city in Kodanesh. Yeah, yeah no, I, I know I know the Jewish very well. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, only the Jewish. I don't go anywhere else. Well, you know, it, I guess it's just because I was I asked you that question because I a friend of mine, you know, sometimes someone says something so simple, mm-hmm. but it makes you think. And what he said was like, is that no one will no one has had the courage to try to fix the system. I don't think you can f- look. I worked in the healthcare system for ten years. I know. Years, eight That's years. why. Yeah. Um, the amount of inefficiency that I witnessed when I was there is like nothing I could even describe. Okay. okay. Just steps upon steps upon steps of things just to create jobs. But when that's how you run a system how, that that is not for profit, how do you sustain it? Like it, it's just a constant drain of money. I'm not talking about the health services. I'm talking about everything else that comes with it. Mm-hmm. The support services, the administrative services, just, and honestly, not the top tier of society, eh? the people working there. <laughs> Stupid <laughs> as fuck. I met some good people when I was there, but these people are not le- captains of industry. Yeah. <laughs> these people, they come in and uh, two minutes before their shift is over, they're already up with their backpacks on so they can bike ride in the snow home. You know what I mean? So I totally so there's two things which what you said which you've made me again realize is that it is because it's uh, a very secure job. You for some of those positions you don't need an education. I mean, uh, you need a baseline. You need something. Yeah. I mean, all I had when I worked there was a high school diploma. That's it. I hadn't even finished college yet. Well, obviously, we're not talking about the nurses here, right? My I no, mean, no, no, no. Really... I'm talking about admin yeah, and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Like the commis, the famous commis. Um. so there's that part so which i understand but then you made me think again about 
isn't basically the way you just described it, isn't just a microcosm of how we treat Quebec in general. It's just our hospital system is just how how we are in Quebec about everything is bloated our civil servants you know you do know oh, that yeah, we have absolutely. one of the highest civil servants per capita in the world i, I believe mean, greece still beats it by like a lot trust me so i've oh, experienced real bureaucracy well let's let's not talk about our uh, homelands right because that's for the italy and greece that's another story right i don't know how italy's bureaucracy system is but like, a... the term byzantine to describe mm-hmm. uh complex bureaucracy is because greece had one and it still does yeah like i you got to go to like 15 different offices just to get a stamp. Well, it's that's, crazy. That, listen, you're t- that's exactly Italy. And on yeah. top of that, even worse, I'm I'm from Sicily, which probably in, in about two, three hundred years back, you and I were related. Um, I'm not from that region of Greece, so probably not. <laughs> I know um, where all the Sicilians came from. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, probably but, somewhere else. I don't know. Interesting stat. I believe, and I could, I could be wrong, but I think it's, there is one civil servant for every six people in Quebec? Seems efficient to me. <laughs> Very efficient. I mean, at least everyone's covered. So, so I, like, Phil, I don't think it can be fixed. I mean, it would have to be completely overhauled and, and completely rebuilt from the ground up. But how do you do that while not taking it apart? Because you can never not have a healthcare system, right? Well, so what's this talk about a public inquiry that we need? Legault saying that we need to revamp completely our healthcare system. He's right. Um, we do. And I never say he's right. We know, but now I he's know. just saying it. All Legault is doing, and it started about five, four, I'd say four months ago. All he's doing now is managing his public perception. He's yeah. not even managing the pandemic anymore. He just wants to be liked. He wants to be the guy who got us through the pandemic, Papa Legault. He did it. Yeah, and fuck setting that up. Guy. Honestly, fuck that guy. No, I know setting. He's setting. I've said it to my friends and people I talk to. He's everything he does is political. Every move he's everything. he does is political. I, I don't know um, if you've ever heard me tell this anecdote. I tell it all the time. Any chance I get on all the shows. Mm-hmm. Years ago, when George was working, George from the Morning Show. Yes. At the the National Assembly, they brought me in to do a video and meet George, Legault before the CAC was founded, uh, Legault and I guess his attaché or whatever. When okay. we shared an elevator together and I had a camera in my hands on a tripod like this, mm-hmm. like just hanging there, clearly off, pointing at the floor. He looks, he goes, I'm like, yeah. He's like, cheese. I was like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> it was so uncomfortable. I'm like, the camera's off. And he laughed and he's like, I s-. and he left. I was like, George, who the fuck was that idiot? Because <laughs> I didn't know who he was. It was the most uncomfortable four and a half floors I've ever done in an elevator. I just got he wasn't my sh- making a joke. <laughs> no, he's, he, this he's... is a man. Th- the man who's leading us through this pandemic looked at a camera, <laughs> cameras that have existed for 140 years, looked it's at a cam- camera and didn't know that not only was it off, but it wasn't even pointed at him and he posed. Oh, Phil, that that's is a real fun. story. I got my show clip for tonight already. It's right there. <laughs> I mean, George, when oh. I told George that story years later, he's like, wait, wait a minute. And I could see it replaying. He's like, that did happen. Oh my wow. God, we're so screwed. Like, because wow. to him, he would see Lego every day. They were, they, they worked together, right? Yep. Yep. He would cross him all the time. I didn't know who he was. When he became, when he got elected, I'm like, isn't that the guy? <laughs> the fucking guy from the elevator? The guy from the like, elevator. What, guy, what are you talking about? I go, that's the fucking guy. This guy's an idiot. Oh man, that's so I mean, funny. George always defends him. He says he was just fucking around. I mean, I want to believe that. Like, I want to believe someone's driving the car. 
But I think the car is just going. We're no, no, the, the, no, no. The car, the, the, listen, the boat is, the, no, it's it's being driven by, it's on autopilot right now. No, um, no there's no autopilot. It's just, there's he, a brick on the gas. We're just I, going. I don't know, Phil. I mean, look. Let's let's Steve, let's look at some uh, some uh, some notes. Uh, Emily says hi. You know uh, Emily, of course. Leave Welcome us alone, from. Emily. Come on, yeah. get out of here. <laughs> Ange TV says interesting convo. Thanks, Ange. Um, Steve, my good friend Steve. By the way, Steve is the owner of uh, Stogie's Cigar Lounge downtown. Okay, I regret everyone out, Steve. Use your power. <laughs> Fuck them all. A fellow Greekster, I regret not being a bigger asshole with the power I have. <laughs> Steve, yeah, you, you know could what? be a huge asshole. No, you know what? Honestly, Phil, I know Steve. He's the nicest fucking guy you'll ever meet. Oh, He's no, I'm not implying that he might be an asshole. I no, no, he I could don't. Be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could be. Um, he looks like an asshole. I'm not going to lie. He asked a great question. Why not have public insurance but private hospitals? Nothing is less efficient than a government-run business. Public insurance? I've never actually heard anyone suggest this. Let me just wrap my head around that. Yeah. Public insurance, so Medicare, mm-hmm. but private hospitals. But then what's to stop private hospitals who we have no control over from completely gouging the government. That's true too, right? In terms of... Then they're directly stealing from us. I mean, I've never actually heard anyone suggest that. And I've been to a bunch of conferences when I was working there, like where they discuss these types of things. It's the first time I ever hear that. Steve is always out of the box. I love Steve. That's why I love his ideas. Um, I I don't think it could work though. I think there'd be too many potential... Basically, you're taking the safeguards out of the system completely. Not that they're there now, but I mean, if we're going to change it, we need a better system. Now you're giving the government direct access to kickbacks from a a bunch of private institutions. What could go wrong? (laughs) What could go wrong? And you know they're going to find them, right? You know. You know they're going to find them. Yeah, you know they're going to find them. I don't think I trust them enough. If they were more accountable... He's followed up with that. He said, easy, like medicine. We put prices, they have to accept, or they can't do business in Quebec. And what okay. if they don't accept them? We have no hospital. <laughs> well, um, but I think that they would take the chance of doing it. I mean, especially if they... It's an know, interesting concept. It, yeah. Honestly, it really is. It is. I don't it trust any, either of them enough. So that's the problem. Neither do I. Uh, G-A-I-P-S says uh, he's like a tetaclac. <laughs> uh, they're referring uh, to uh, to Legault's little... Oh, uh, Legault, uh, yeah. He is yeah. a bit of like a tetaclac, like patates des patates cheese wheels. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that. That was good times. Oh, yeah. Barry Vitali, local uh, loyal uh, listener and friend and watcher of the show. Hello, guys. He says, we need Steve as premier. <laughs> I've had many conversations with Steve at his place. and uh, At least we can smoke fun. in the in the National Assembly <laughs> exactly. again. Exactly. Absolutely, yeah. we can. That'd be great. Absolutely, we can. Let's, let's, let's just switch gears. Uh, yeah, sure. Let's do second. it. And I know that we're going to probably bounce back. Um, I want to I wanna know, um, first of all, your previous career and how did you end up and I, I, oh God! Yeah, okay. into into going into video making, and then podcasting because you know what? Honestly, I talk a lot, Phil, about having the courage to make changes in your life, and I found your your uh, your story. I'm not going to say courageous. I don't want to make this. Uh, you know, it wasn't like, courageous at all. There was a bunch of safeguards in place. The yeah, whole I know, I know, but still, Phil, no matter how many safeguards are, you have. A, I mean, at the at the time, listen, I'll let you tell the story. Um, I mean, you don't know the story. Well, you do if you if you subscribe to my YouTube channel. I did this once. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, I have I have listened to the show and you've talked about making yeah. the transition. Well, I've done a, so... I also have like a stylized version of exactly how uh, I got here to okay. wherever I wherever here was three years ago when I shot it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I I was an okay student mm-hmm. for most of my life. 
uh, too smart for my own good is, I mean, that was in my report card sometimes. <laughs> um, what I excelled at was lying. <laughs> no joke, lying. I was I really good it. at it. Uh, and commanding attention when I needed to. Awesome. And uh, because of that, I was really good at public speaking and I was really good at writing. Uh, video was not something I ever thought about. I didn't grow up holding a, like a cassette of ET going one day, me too. Um, I didn't even really have a deep connection to film as a child. I mean, I watched movies and stuff, mm -hmm. but I was I, like, as a 10 year old, I would have much rather watched cars crashing, you know, those old race videos. Yeah. My dad had a bunch. My dad though, loved video cameras. He had a wedding photography business for a very short lived. They were, he was terrible at it, but he loved them. <laughs> My grandfather, my, my, my maternal grandfather, who is still alive, by the way, the awesome. last king of Sparta, Leonidas. Um, <laughs> I heard Mr. goes around just during COVID, doesn't care. Just... Yeah, he got himself COVID. <laughs> he gave it to all of us. But he's, he's actually doing okay. They're probably taking him out of the COVID recovery unit now. <laughs> God bless him. Yeah, he's doing good. He's 92 years old, the old man. That's awesome. My, so my mom's dad always had a fucking camera from film all the way to high eight betas. We have, I have them all. They're all sitting on a table right here. Like I've mm -hmm. kept them. Uh, so I was around it in a home movie sense. When I got to university, I was a psych uh, university. When I got to Sejep, I was in psychology. That was my major or whatever it was called at the time. I was a Marinopolis. Um, so I did well in high school, well-ish. Um, and then things started getting weird. Like I just stopped going to school. I mean, I was enrolled in school, okay. um, but I just stopped going to class. I had way more fun just talking to people outside the school. And um, that's where I met my friend, Peter, who I'm still very good friends with. Mm -hmm. And he was the, the guy. He's like, when I was a kid, he slept with E.T. He was going to make movies. He was going to go to Hollywood. He had all these dreams. And I was like, this guy's crazy. We can't make movies. We're Greek kids from Montreal. We don't do that. <laughs> and he's like, there's a film school just up the street. And I was like, you're fucking crazy. And he went there and he went to that film school to Trevis. Mm -hmm. um, oh, Trevis. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Trevis wasn't accredited yet, though. It was just like an academy. It didn't have any kind of diploma or anything. Mm -hmm. So fast forward like six months, I've, I'm thrown out of school for not going to school. I went to Dawson for like two weeks. Parents I were think. really happy, I'm sure. My parents basically said, get a job and figure it out. You're, you're an asshole. You pay <laughs> off whatever the tuition that's left from Marinopolis, you dumb fuck. Wow. Uh, as long as you're living here, if you're not in school, you're working. I said, okay. So, I mean, I've had every job you can think of. Mm -hmm. um, literally, you name it, I've done it. I've passed wire. I've installed alarms. I've worked in restaurants and kitchens. I've been a waiter. I've been a high-end waiter. I've been a low-end waiter. I've worked in dirty kitchens. I've worked in very nice kitchens. Um, I was a telemarketer for two weeks. Oh, gee, two weeks. I, I couldn't stomach it. I left. I don't think they even paid me, to be honest. I think I just walked out one day. I used to work there with pants, actually. With uh, Patelis? He's the one who's like, I got this easy job. You just oh make paper God. to people. I'm like, what? He stayed a day later. He quit, too. He's like, Please tell me you had a video camera back in those days. They just, this I is before either of us had ever... I mean, I've known Pantelis since we were five years old. We went to school together. Okay. Like, we grew up together. To be a fly uh, But this is wall. way before. Way before. Wow. And... Um, so, like, I bounce around. I end up at Vanier for whatever reason. I'm doing night school. I do really well. I'm with a bunch of really dumb Italians. That's, the whole class is just, like, the most Minga bro Italians you've ever met and me. What do you mean, Re? They were just... They were not smart. I'm not saying because they were Italian. They were dumb, but they were dumb and Italian. They just so happened. Um, I take no offense. 
No, no, it's not a generalization. I'm just telling, <laughs> I'm describing these specific Italians. And they, I was I was very confused because the teacher's like, what are you doing here? You're clearly not an idiot. Because all of them were just in night school because their parents said, you got to finish stage up so you can take over the family business, right? Yeah, that paving company. And they didn't care. They were just showing up and whatever. Mm-hmm. So at Vanya, when I finally got back into the day program, I had like one C block elective course left that I had to do. And I took a video class. I'm like, fuck this. Well, how hard can it be? And I mean, I'd love to say like the rest is history because it basically is that's the that's the first domino that falls into place, right? Mm-hmm. So I do this class and while I'm doing it, uh, I've, I've started from high school. I've been writing short stories just like for fun. And the Greek community in Montreal was celebrating its 100 years of uh, the Greek schools here in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And they put out a call saying if anyone has any original Montreal written, Montreal created, you know, like uh, a play or some, some piece of art, we'd love to produce it. So I started writing something, which still the only bilingual, like Greek production that's ever been done here, like fully bilingual, Greekish, okay. like that mixed language that all immigrant communities have. Yeah. Uh, it was called Sons of Deucalion. Um, Deucalion being the mythological fi- figure that uh, like Noah is based on. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and they're all based on the same one. It's like the Greek flood myth, right? Okay. From the ancient Greek, uh, whatever. Anyway, so Pants was in that too. That's when we both realized that we had dipped into this like artistic field on our own. And I shot like a few things in that video course. I got the basic understanding of how cameras work. And then I shot my final project, which was called The Chronicles of the Greek Lover. <laughs> it was just story. like, I have this really cheesy 90s Greek song that's in English. And I made this like really just terrible fucking, I don't even, I don't even have a copy of it. It's bad. I wish I did. You should. It was on my YouTube channel, the one that got hacked before I had the one I have now. So it's, oh. it's gone. Okay. My friend Peter's butt is in that movie. It's fantastic. <laughs> Not his butt, the movie. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and one day I came home and uh, I told my dad, I, I go, listen, this is what I want to do with my life. He's like, what are you, fucking nuts? Like, you, I, I'm like, I gave you time. In the meantime, you've had six jobs. Now you're, you have a career at Old Navy. Said, you're selling I, t-shirts. I sent you to Mariopolis for this. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what are you, what are you going to make videos? For who? And I'll never forget it. My dad was making hamburgers on a, like a frying pan. And I said it and I go, listen, I don't know what. I'm going to get a student loan and I'm going to do it. He goes, I'm not fucking paying for that. You're crazy. He goes, what are you, you going to do? You're going to go to Hollywood? Are you fucking crazy? <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but this makes me happy. And this is what I'm going to do. I need to do yeah. it. And he just threw the spatula at me. He didn't hit me. He just threw it. And he just walked out. He just went for a smoke, you know? And then I started Trevis, and uh, I mean, by that point, it was accredited, so like I have an IRC uh, from it. I mean, the rest is basically history. I mean, I just started working, but while I was in Trevis, my godmother was working, who had worked there for years at the CLSC. They were hiring, they were on a hiring spree, nepotism being what it is in Quebec. She said, come work. You still got to do the interviews, just razzle-dazzle them. Be fucking charismatic, and that's it. They'll let you in. Excellent my French at this is. point was not great because I went to English high school, even though I went yeah. to French private uh, elementary. So my French got better over time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were still days when little old ladies would be like, like in French. I mean, I don't know if you have a French viewership, so I'll do it in English. So like, do you like it here? I'm like, the job's okay. You know, she's like, no, no, Quebec. You like it in Quebec? I'm like, what do you mean? I, I'm from here, you stupid <laughs> old lady. So, and I dealt a lot. What, what I was good at is like my skills carry over right through all my jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm good at talking to people. Uh, so a lot of my time at the CLSC was spent dealing with like, uh, asylum seekers, refugees, uh, claimants, uh, 
people who needed to make family doctor appointments. Like that's what I was doing. I was on the phones for a while. I worked through the H1N1 pandemic. Uh, like I was in the vaccine clinics, mm-hmm. caught H1N1. It was unpleasant. Save you that. Like, don't try it. It wasn't fun. No, no, I'm not. Um, I wasn't planning to. But I was in film school during that period for the first like two, three years. Uh, I left school for a bit because my student loan, like, I don't remember exactly what had happened, but I basically needed to work a bit so that my student loan could reset. Uh, then I had a massive blowout with my one of my teachers in my last session. And I basically finished school with uh, one credit missing because he wouldn't pass me. Because he asked, our final project was to write, uh, I don't remember how many pages, on an auteur, like a filmmaker who's a writer-director and a visionary, like mm-hmm. a Tarantino. And that's what he sure. wanted. Either a Tarantino or a Japanese filmmaker because he was a big, fat French guy who was really into Japanese culture. <laughs> no surprise. Um, and I did it on a Greek filmmaker, and he accused me of him not being an auteur. Uh, and he failed me. He, like, straight up failed me. Eventually, I, I think I made my case to the owner of the school. And I said, look, if I can redo this class and hand him the exact same paper, and he passes me without him knowing what I'm doing, that me and you have an agreement, I'm not paying for this class, and I'm getting my credit. And that is exactly what I did. <laughs> That's how I got my last credit. It was a good paper. Bulgari is a visionary filmmaker. So, so you basically have always, like you said before, I've always had the the drive and the and the jab and the gift of gab and uh, to be able to get yourself out of situations. I've gotten out of anything you can imagine. I've lied so well to police officers, like for speeding tickets, that my wife was like, "What an asshole!" I'm like, "What do you mean I lied?" She's like, "You you were lying." I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. Get me out of here. She's like, I believed you. I'm like, bitch, I believed me. Um, when you believe your own lies, you, when you believe your own lies. You're not lying anymore. You're, you're not lying anymore. Reality. Yeah. So I, no, I just, I'm, I'm very, I don't want to say I'm good with people or I'm good at talking. I just, I don't have, I'm very open. I'm very curious. And because I tell people so much about myself and I don't yeah. hold back, which is a problem sometimes. Like my wife doesn't like how much I tell people sometimes in general. Yeah. Um, because I'm good at that, people instinctively feel like they know me, they can trust me, and we can have a real conversation. So once that barrier is gone, it's really easy to talk to people. It is, but it's not everybody has that gift, right, Phil? Because, I mean, I watched you first on, on the morning show and and then listened to um, Fill My Hole. Oh, right. And, yeah, well, just the, yeah, it started with that, then morning yeah. show, and then most recently uh, Fill My Hole, when you're just basically – a soliloquy you're on your own and i've done a few i mean I, i've had guests uh, but yeah mostly oh, okay. it's me yeah i've done a few of those shows that i do along when i need to um when i need to vent a lot of things and it's not yeah. easy it's not easy but I, i kind of forget that i'm recording a show when i do it but i'm just talking yeah but like what i was saying is was thinking is like it's more like a therapy um 100 for myself and i'm sure you feel the same 100%. way you just agree with me but also yeah. just and not not to toot your horn also i'm i'm, I'm not here to do that toot but my horn it'll get you everywhere no for sure but yeah, i'm saying yeah, is sure. it, you're good at it phil i mean it's it's easy to talk to you you you're you come across as a genuine person someone that is just tr- really trying to tell you the truth And uh, I'm not, I, I, look, I, I appreciate you saying that, but like my whole thing is I'm not trying to tell you or anyone anything most of the time. Really what I'm trying to do by talking to myself most of the time, I'm just trying to figure out what the fuck is going on in general. Yeah. Because I am the type of person, like I have, I have, I don't know, I'm not really diagnosed, but I basically have an anxiety disorder, right? Okay. Like it started during COVID. 
Um, and I won't get into it deep. It's a fucking long story and no one cares. But at some point I was seeing a therapist and it helped. I don't know how much it helped, but it helped me. Um, the podcast helped more. And my therapist has actually watched an episode of the podcast. He's like, so you just do what we do, but without me. I'm like, yeah, basically. Yeah. He's like, I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, it's my way of metabolizing information, trying to figure out, because if you listen, like, if you listen to stuff I say on my whole, I contradict myself in the same breath because I don't really have an agenda. I'm just trying to figure shit out. My only real agenda is getting the episode out. That's what matters. That, and you know what and you do and you do do that i never regularly though (laughs) no but see why why i'm going this route phil is because another thing i want to kind of because you guys talk about it and um with what we're living today Mm -hmm. is again it's i'm not gonna expect an answer here but why can't people mind their own fucking business what i mean by that is why is everyone feel so entitled today so entitled to say, hey, you're the problem because you're not vaccinated. You're this, you're that. I, I don't understand when did this divisiveness I know come? exactly when, when it happened. Please. I, I will give you an answer this time. I, I, ask this, I ask these questions and some. I, I, I wish I could have some great philosophers from the Greek, the Greek days. And I, I don't know. What's the answer? My answer, and I think I'm probably right, was after the first reopening. Okay. okay. So I watched members of my own family, I, I won't name anyone, or and friends, mm-hmm. diverge down very different paths, right? Some leaned heavily into the anti-vax movement, even though subsequently some of them did get vaccinated. And the others leaned into, this is what I need to do to make it okay. And by doing it, I'm a bad person. And everything I've suffered is because of the other who isn't doing it, right? Yeah. Why I think it was right then and there is, that's when I had my first COVID pandemic related panic attack because I was suffering. I and mean, what's that term that they always use it? Cognitive dissonance. Okay. okay. I, I had two very, very different conflicting ideas in my mind. And instead of just leaning into one or the other, I just kept going back and forth and back mm-hmm. and forth and back until it made me fucking crazy. Now I came out of that on the other side eventually. I mean, it took me months. It was a, it was a really rough period for me, okay. for my wife more than anyone. But when I came out of it on the other side, I have a lot of clarity now. And I can see, and I think that's why, and I'll go back to what I said earlier about having been a communist, having been a nationalist, because I've experienced both and I've struggled. When I hear someone say something that I disagree with, or let's say you and someone else are having a conversation, one of you is an anti-vaxxer, we'll use that example, mm-hmm. and one of the other guys pro-vax, and he wants 45 boosters up his ass every day, <laughs> right, just to be safe, and if I don't wear a mask, I should be fucking thrown in the gulags. Yeah. Now, I know that neither of you is trying to hurt the other, not consciously, I'm sorry, not subconsciously, maybe consciously you're j- jabbing at each other, Yeah. but really... Both of you are speaking from a position of fear. The only difference is you're scared of different things. He's scared of COVID because he believes everything, even the stuff that has been disproven. Or maybe he just stopped doing the research and he only heard what we heard at the beginning, right? Yep. Like there's a lot that's been very fishy in the whole thing. <laughs> uh, is it nefarious? I don't know. I, I wish I believed it was nefarious. I, I do. I just think it's stupidity. I really think it's human stupidity at its finest and a few people trying to make money. That's my boiled down philosophy of the pandemic. The other person is scared of losing rights 
that they have, uh, in their own words, a God-given right to. Rights that they weren't aware that they had two years ago. Yeah. Rights that they've never mentioned before, that they never championed, that they never battled for, that they never did shit for. Because we're a crappy generation. We haven't struggled. This is our first struggle. I agree. Right? We didn't. I yeah. was never hungry. I mean, mind you, I'm a millennial. So my shit started in 2008. Like as I entered the job market, right? I'm part of the precarious generation. I've never had stable income in the last decade. I'm a yeah. freelancer, right? I mean, when I was at CLSC, sure, but like I wasn't really a career. Uh, so I mean, that's when I think everything started to split. And now I'm seeing people removing mandates and removing the green passes. And I'm just waiting to see what's going to happen here. I'm curious because I have no issues with vaccination, but I don't think I want any more, to be honest, because I'm not seeing any science that tells me they're helping. Everyone I know who got a booster two, three weeks later had COVID. I had COVID. The very simple fact that I had COVID and I can't register that as a booster. Forget the fact that I have to register it with papers in the government. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Forget that for a second. But the very fact that I can't register a natural immunity as a type of booster for a bit. I mean, that seems not science. That's not science. I don't know what that is. Why wasn't it, why was it good before and now it's no longer being registered as a as a booster now? What do you mean? Before, if you got COVID, wasn't it written on the on the vaccine passport? I know they said you could. I never saw them. I never found a way to do it. Like I know there's some kind of auto declaration form. Okay, but it's not really for the vax pass. You're just letting them know so they can put you in the number count, so they can keep track of statistics. So I mean, they have to because it. I mean, everybody's. Have you had COVID yet? No, I haven't. But oh, you must! It's phenomenal. You have to. No, no I, honestly. Okay, so so here's my. So you you said so many things there that I'm trying. I was trying to, you know. You, you yeah, yeah, I do, yeah, I do that. Sorry. So no, no, no. It's okay. It's because I'm I'm generating thoughts. I'm still trying to listen to you, but there's so many things. That it's ironic. Okay, um, I got my booster today. You, okay? you got the booster sauce. I got the booster shot today. How do you feel? And I'm my arm is just a bit sore. Honestly. Okay. Um. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't want to, Phil. But uh, let me put this into context because you don't know. My wife is a uh, teacher. She works mm -hmm. with adults with special needs. She has um, uh, asthma, underlying okay. issues. So she's 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 afraid. And sure. it, I think it sh it's it should be uh, me as her husband, obviously, uh, to protect her. You want to be responsible. And do whatever she needs me to do, what makes her feel sure. better. Even though I know, like you, the science says otherwise. At this point, yeah, we all know it. Our kids go to school, Phil. Yes, okay, they're vaccinated. But our kids go to school, and we all know now. Children. That's another story. I mean, I kick, I'm kick. i still kicking that can down the road. And I, my, Both my kids had COVID now. Well, so, and it was, it was a walk in the park, I assume. I was the sickest of everyone. My wife, who is immunocompromised, had a sniffle for two days. My kids had fever for five, high at times, but never like, they looked fine. You would have never guessed. Uh, I'm the one who had the most symptoms and I developed like deep congestion, which caused the cough. But I mean, I've had worse colds. I have. The only thing I will say about COVID and I tip my hat to COVID, I still feel exhausted. Yeah, you were saying that like, uh, the morning I'm, show. Yeah. I'm wrecked. Uh, yesterday I shot for two hours, which is not a long time. And I was like, you know, holding the camera out in front of me. And at some point I was like, my buddy was with me. He's like, what's up? Oh, my fucking arms hurt. And this yeah. morning when I woke up, they were like fucking 300 pound arms. I'm like, what? Like what? I know I'm not in great shape, but like I can shoot a whole day before my body starts to cave. Like I'm only 35. Yeah. 
Um, I have the back of a 90-year-old from years of being on set. But, uh, yeah, just, I'm just tired. Like, I go up the stairs. I'm not winded. I'm just like my legs at the end. They're like oh, mm-hmm. dragging along. Yeah, it's evident that the, the, the after effects are still there. So, yeah. It's, it's but like, I, get, I get what you're saying, though. Like, uh, I understand what you're saying. But you're going through the same thing that I went through. You're doing I, stuff to be responsible that you know isn't really going to make a difference. But I, I had that existential thing and, and you know i shared a story and i have no no qualms about it for the first time in my life this whole thing trying to make sense of like you i had the devil on the right of the, the the gazoo from the you know from from yeah, yeah. stones on one and the devil on the other one and um i just had a hard time amalgamating all this and for the first time in my life i actually spoke to to a professional yeah and me too it was the first time it's ever happened to first me. time yeah. ever and i just you know phil i i I consider myself a mentally strong person, a happy person. I'm a social person. I love being with people. I love my family. I love my friends. And what got to me also, besides everything else, seeing how it's impacting my children and the long-term effects that it's going to have on, on me as well, but how it impacted my friends, which my best friends, which are like brothers to me, Mm-hmm. How would it, they're in the worst business? They have restaurants and reception, yep. restaurants and reception halls. My best friend just opened a fucking restaurant two days ago. Jeez. I was like, "He's you're crazy." So, it, it's it's not even to me. It's you know I'm okay. My wife's working. I'm working. Thank God, my kids are okay. But it's 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 gone beyond that. I know. It's, it's the the. The effect Look, that it's having on on society and and the people close to me that I love like brothers, and I don't know, I don't know how to. It, it's hard to not be angry. I get that. It is. It really is. Um, I'll I'll do a weird segue, which will help you get to the questions that you wanted to ask me initially before we <laughs> have this conversation. Which, to be completely honest, I think this conversation is completely apt because what I try to do when I make a film when I make videos, not, I don't mean client work, but when I do my own projects, yeah, these are the things that I'm trying to rationalize. And like when I make a movie, it's because I'm trying to figure something out. Like a movie is a stylized version of an episode of my podcast. It's me trying to get my thoughts in order, put them into a, I'm trying to play God and put them into a universe where I can make them make sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it took a long time after I quit my CLSC job to generate real revenue from my business. I mean, it was not easy. I was lucky enough that I had, uh, I was on a sabbatical, so I didn't really lose my other job in case. Okay. So I took that uh, advantage. Like when I said I had safeguards, my wife is a professional and she has a steady income. We were already married when I quit. And, um, and I started on my merry way looking for video clients with no idea how to find them, right? <laughs> I got lucky because before I... I mean, in, in another part of my life, I was uh, on the board of directors of the Greek community in Montreal. So I knew a lot of people there. They knew I was dabbling in video when they needed stuff. They called. They were actually my first official client because I had some clients that I was doing on the side. Right. And every year I would make a short film. That, that was my thing. I'd make a short film and I would take whatever contracts I could and I would work my CLSC job. Right. Mm-hmm. I would say it took about four years. Let me do that math. Let's say five. It took about five years before I started making not okay money, but like serious money, money where I was like, I made the right call where my dad's like, can you believe the film school paid off? Like, holy can, shit. Good for can, you. 
can I pay you back? <laughs> oh, I'm still paying that student loan off. It has no interest. I'm just paying it really slowly. I don't even care. No, no, like your dad saying, you know what? I'm going to pay it after off. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> he, that, that's completely anathema to his whole position there. I was I was uh, wrong, Phil. I admit it. I was wrong. He 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 never said he was wrong. My dad's not. I mean, he's a bit stoic. He's an old. He's older, right? He's like in his early sixties now, mm-hmm. but he's still pretty young. He's like he's like. I think my dad. How old is my dad? I think he just turned sixty. So not a really an old Greek guy, right? Yeah. Um, and my dad too, a man of many trades, has had many jobs in his life, right? And can do anything more or less. So when, when we realized, he's like, I can't believe it. I'm like, I, you can't believe it. I fucking can't believe it. <laughs> so it took me a few years, but it culminated in 2018, 2019, where I had so much work and I was making so much money mm-hmm. in comparison to what I had been making. I wasn't making millions of dollars, but like I had just good clients. I was doing interesting stuff. I was in Florida once a month shooting private jets which I mean was, it seems way cooler than it is by the way, but great for Instagram. Like fucking I'm on the sure. jets. Look yeah. at me on jets. Yeah. I got the life. I got the life. Yeah. I'm living that life. G six and stuff. But like, but the jets themselves, because I was an, uh, like an aviation nerd as a kid, it was a cool experience for me. I mean, yeah. after like the 10th jet, they're just jets, you know, they're yeah. fuck who cares. Yeah. Uh, all of that. Like I'm, I'm literally, I'm like, yes, fucking I've been, cause I, I've over the years, I've had many a mental breakdown at my wife's feet going, what have I done? Why did I do this? I should have been a fucking accountant. She's like, you're terrible at numbers. I'm like, that's true. But I should have at least stuck to psychology. Maybe I would have been good at that. You know, she's like, you don't listen to people. You just talk. I'm like, fuck, she's right. So many times, and she always told me the same thing. She goes, you chose a difficult path. You knew that, you asshole. Stop bitching about it and go through some videos. And she's right. I love but it. I had finally come to this, like, the, like I, was, I was living the life, man. I had, I had a kid. I had just had a kid. I had another one on the way. We were going to sell our condo. We were going to buy a house. I was making money. I was like, baby, what you want? I'll buy it. You want a house? (laughs) COVID hits. COVID hits. No work. Nothing. I lose the Florida gig. I lose the stuff here. My clients are going bankrupt. I'm fucking sucking at the teeth of the government, hoping for CERB. Yeah. Which I should have never fucking taken because they asked for so much of it back. Yeah. Because I didn't make any other money that year. I'm like, wait, I owe you more than you gave me at this point because I still got to pay other taxes. So that's what happened to me with COVID. Luckily, in that, me and Pantelis managed to actually grow our businesses. And I don't mean from a financial standpoint. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm saying. But I grew my service offering. We got a new studio. Like I had a, I had a co-working space before, which helped me build my business because it subsidized my rent. People would come and rent for me, right? Yeah. So like I get, when, when I say I get what you mean by it's fuck people's livelihoods, trust me. I, I my butt still hurts from the first yeah, no, wave for sure for sure and it's it's impacted so many people but yeah why you know why I, i've always uh i've always been um astounded by people and it's it, it's inspirational when people follow their dreams and they do it no matter what and that's why i wanted you to share that story because you know what in today's age honestly um, how many people could actually do what they love, right? A I lot was of people, th- man. Well, how many people actually do what they love? That's my question. I'm gonna toot my own horn and call myself a trailblazer because when I set out on this course, everyone thought I was a psycho. Right? For sure. Now, yeah. ten years later, my skill set is in high demand. Doesn't mean I'm making a killing, but it means I'm making a living doing what I like to do. 
Um, but it wasn't like a dream. It's just something that one day clicked. I'm like, this is what I need to be doing, right? Um, it, it's weird because it's, it's a job to me. The, the hardest part has been the fact that I have two kids now and I have responsibilities and I haven't really made a movie, a movie, like an actual film, mm-hmm. since my oldest was born. The last thing I ever shot that was nonfiction or it was, I mean, it was nonfiction, but I mean, the last thing that I ever shot that was my own completely was the story of her birth because my wife had a very, very rough uh, delivery. Like it was a week in the hospital. And because I wow. couldn't handle the stress, she's, and she knows me so well, she's like, just film the whole experience. And I live snapped the entire thing. And then I cut it into a documentary. That's cool. Uh, which I sent to festivals. Like it was an experimental film. Mm-hmm. But before that, I'd make a movie every year. Like where I'm sitting, you guys can't see it, but I have movie posters in front of me, mm-hmm. right? They're my movie posters. Um, and I, and, I just don't do that anymore. I don't make films anymore, like for myself. I make films for other people, like Pants will bring me on to, we, we shot that sketch, we shoot sketches. Clients have me do scripted stuff and I do, sure. I do a lot of YouTube talking head for clients because mm-hmm. people need it. I do a lot of food stuff, which I love to do. Like coffee and food is my favorite thing to shoot, but not that like hyper-stylized um, like Instagram, you know what they yeah. made, I hate that. I, I can't yeah. do flat lays. I mean, I can, but I always need some help. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to just shoot because, because I worked in restaurants for so long, I understand kitchen flows really well. So when I come into a small kitchen, I don't get in anyone's way because I know exactly where I should and shouldn't be. And because of that, I'm really good at getting things as they happen. That's and a good point. coffee. I just love to shoot coffee, but I mean, it's cliche. Everyone loves to shoot coffee. It's just fun to shoot. Yeah. But coffee's coffee. Coffee's the drink of life. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm a big coffee drinker. I actually reduced it during the pandemic because of all the anxiety. I, I've like, I was drinking yeah. one before, but it's a decaf espresso. Yeah. Um, but I fucking, I love coffee. I have Same. so much coffee paraphernalia back here. Same here. I mean, when I, I, I went to, when I was in Sicily with, uh, in Italy, uh, with my with my wife and kids a couple of years ago, we went to the Bialetti store. Oh, so really? You know the the, the, cool, the yeah. little cafeterias. Yeah, of course, um, I know they are. But I, I have went, a great story about Bialetti if you want. Yeah, after. they went. I went to the actual store, Phil. Is it a, a Sicilian company? Like it's from uh, Sicily or from I'm, somewhere else? I'm not sure. Well, they're Italian. I'm not sure if he's. Sicilian. I know they're Italian. Yeah. I know the old man died. Right? He just recently died. Oh yeah. wait, yeah, I remember hearing that. Yes. But this store it was like I was a I was like a a kid in a candy store it was one of the most glorious days of my wife so cool. i'm looking at she's like lou we have no space in the luggage i'm like i'm gonna buy another luggage i don't give a shit i when, when i was in italy i found one of those old school crank espresso machines and oh, i was like wow. i want to bring this home my wife's like we can bring this home I'm like, but i want it it's <laughs> beautiful they're beautiful machines espresso machines yeah, they are they are um, and there's there's this cafe and i don't know if have, have you been to boston uh, yeah of course have you uh, been to Little Italy at Cafe Victoria? I think I have. Actually, so, yes, yeah. But I have family in Boston, so I've been a few times. I okay. think I know exactly what you're talking about. So it's it, like the, it, one of the first espresso places on the East Coast. No? Yeah, it's really yeah. old, and they have all old machinery. That's cool. So it, it's unbelievable this place. Uh, if you have I've ever been chance- to a place uh, on the Pacific Coast in California, I can't mm-hmm. remember what it was called, but I know it was the West Coast's. The West Coast's first espresso, like Italian espresso place, mm-hmm. it's in Monterey. Okay, I think and where Clint Eastwood was uh, mayor for a while in the eighties or nineties, <laughs> whatever it was. Um, we did our like uh, the year after we got married, we re- we drove up the Big Sur, like the Pacific Coast, mm-hmm. and 
they had these fucking old crazy machines and they had like 40 Bialettis going, the little coffee pots. Yeah. Funny story about the Bialetti. Four weeks before I got married, my wife was over. She was, can you make me an espresso? I'm like, yeah, we have the little mocha pot, you know? Mm-hmm. I put it on. My dad had washed it and the gasket had fallen out. We hadn't noticed. Okay. So if you take out the gasket, uh, the coffee rises into the cylinder, right? Yes. Not just the liquid. And effectively, you've created an improvised explosive device. <laughs> So my wife leans forward to look and the thing explodes and she gets third degree burns all over her face. And we rush her to the hospital. I'm in total frozen mode because I don't know what the fuck just happened. Like coffee's gone through the cabinetry, like through the crack between the doors. Just massive explosion. And she's in the emergency crying, screaming, I'm getting married in five weeks. And for some reason, I don't know why, the entire emergency room was filled with mothers, like, like Latin American mothers with their teenage daughters. Okay. I don't know what was happening exactly. But Is this a movie? Or are you sure it was reality? It was really weird. It was really weird. And I'm watching her cry. I had parked the car. I run in. My mom had gone in with her. And I look at her and she's crying about it. I'm like, no, we're going to fix this. It's going to be fine. You look great. And they're like, I they're all crying. I'm like, why are there so many Mexican women here? And my wife stops crying. She's like, I don't know. It's weird. It's like a telenovela in here. But yeah, it healed. It healed really well. But we, we got rid of all the mocha pots. No Bialetti is allowed in my home. Oh, Sometimes God. when we're out, I'll show it to her and I'll be like, bang, bang. And she's like, get the fucking thing out of here. Okay, so she definitely can't come to my place. Uh- <laughs> yeah, no mocha pots. No, no, no. None of that. No, no Bialettis. Um, so, how, like, how was your transition? I guess, I, I mean, now that we I think about it is you're transitioning into podcasting. I guess it was just a natural flow, right? I mean. Um, um, well. I mean, yeah, I was pretty organic in that sense. Mm-hmm. So I made videos. Then after the DSLR revolution happened and everyone could film uh, and vlogs started to pick up as Casey Neistat, I'm sure everyone's familiar with, like mm-hmm. at this point, started to explode. I was like, I'm going to vlog too. So I vlogged for maybe two years, not regularly, but I tried. I could never get into the daily vlog where you just walk around and shoot stuff. Because if, like, if you were really watching a daily vlog of me, especially five years ago, it's just me driving places, being annoyed, smoking cigarettes, and drinking coffee. It's not that interesting. <laughs> and, like, I don't want to show that. Plus, I was working, too, right? I had, like, yeah. clients to serve. Um, but I did it for a while, and I would do gear reviews, and I would talk stuff. And uh, just I knew I needed to be putting out regular content with my face, right? Then Pants moves into the, the, the co-working space, Zeno space, with me. Um because he wants to start, you know, upping his podcast game, which he was doing from a basement at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, do whatever you want. I'm going to, you pay rent, have fun. <laughs> and he brought me, what did he bring me? I, I, he brought me something for the, the the studio, like as a gift, since we were all, we were sharing a space now. And I remember telling him, I go, man, we should do a fucking, we should do a new show. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, we should do a fucking new show. I'm like, why do you want to do a new show? I go, I used to watch Philip DeFranco. I used to watch SourceFed, the show he had created. I go, but he's so full of shit now. He's just worried about everything and pandering because he has so many sponsorship deals. Discovery owns him, basically. Yeah. So he doesn't say anything real anymore. I go, let's just make fun of new shows. Like, we'll pretend like we're a real news show, but we'll just talk nonsense. I go, I'll try to do my best to give the information and you just say whatever you want. He's like, I like it. I can practice jokes. I said, okay. And that's when we started this just thing. And then on in the first season, I mean, there's not really seasons of this just thing. It's just yeah. like they just go. Good. I hear that. Was by the episode, way, with season. I don't know. Just yeah, just no, no. Go. I'm just going. I'm just going. Yeah. Um, so there was an episode where he made a joke that I was going to start an investigative journalism series, 
And I thought it was funny, so I ran with it. I didn't know where he was going with it. And he goes, and Phil's going to call it, fill my hole, where he finds holes and he fills them. Not as gay as it sounds. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? So this became like this running gag that I was always working. I never was, by the way. I was never working on it. But he would always bring it up every couple of episodes. Phil's been working behind the scenes on his documentary. Netflix quality, guys. Like, fill my hole is coming. And it just it just kept growing. This like at some point people would ask, like, is this fucking gonna happen? What's going on? Like we're we're in talks with studios, you know, we would just lie about it as a joke. That's hilarious. And then after the pandemic hit and we started doing the morning show, he mentioned it on an episode of the morning show as a joke. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> He's like, You're gonna do the series? I go, I don't have the time or the resources to do the series, but I will do a podcast and I'm gonna call it Fill My Hole. And I will try to answer questions. He's like, what questions? I'm like, existential shit. He's like, okay. He's still really mad that I use the name for my podcast. He hates it. He wants me to do that show. Well, you know what? It's, it's, it sounds great. I mean, it, but. I, I don't like the idea of it because he wants to do something very specific about it that okay. implements him into it. And I was like, I'm not doing that. That's ridiculous. I'm going to piss off everyone. So it's, a, it's just, it's one step past the line because I, even I have a line. Like I do have a line. And I won't cross that line. <laughs> it's, it, you know, it, it looks like you guys have so much fun, by the way. And and we all hate each other. But we don't that's okay. Off camera. That's okay. Listen, the police couldn't stand each other either. And they made such beautiful music. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, the thing is that, I, I you know, honestly, being the, the, the trailblazer, especially Pantalas, but you guys, I honestly think in terms of the, the podcast scene in Montreal, you guys are the, the, the crown jewel, I'll be honest with you. Um, and, you know, when I see content like you guys pull out, it, it gives me energy also to... I mean, to... I, I have to stop you and say one thing because there's this, like, myth that I am implement, implicated in everything he does. I'm really not. No, I know that. No, yeah. no, I just want to, I want to be clear okay. because you're saying we, right? Like, I produce, I'm part of the morning show and film my whole. I help him with anything he needs. You know, like, mm -hmm. we share the cost of the studio and the equipment and whatever. But I'm running my own business. All, those 40 fucking shows that he puts out every week. I know. Because he's crazy. crazy. Sometimes I call him. I go, are you editing still? He's like, I'm so tired. And he's, he's just happy to be doing it though, right? So a machine. He's, he's a fucking machine. I, yeah. I always say he's the Rihanna of podcasting. <laughs> work, 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 work all the time. All the fucking time. So but, like, I just want to like, as much as I love okay. taking credit when I don't yeah. deserve it, like it's. Like, look, what I do in in and of itself on its own, like, it's still a lot. Like, three fucking shows a week is a lot. And sometimes I do them in the same day and I'm exhausted. But I'm also doing client meetings, shooting productions, editing, and a bunch of other stuff. And I have two kids, right? Yeah. But those fucking 200 shows or whatever they are on Patreon, obviously. Like, some of them yeah. are only on Patreon. But, like, we want to do more shows. Like, we're broken inside. There's something wrong with us. All we do is talk about what can we do in a show. Let's build a new set for the morning show. Let's do this. Let's do that. But you we're all over the place. It's, a, it's amazing, Phil, how it becomes a drug. I mean, like, I have two kids. I have a career. I have my my podcast. I got a another biweekly podcast, and I want to do another one. And I'm like, you have another okay. show? Yeah, Three Men in a Podcast. I do it with Claudio Capri. And, uh, oh, I didn't Angelo. recognize you because you have the hat there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you I know. I supposed and to I, be on that months ago, and I just completely never answered you. I'm sorry. No, no, it's no. Claudio I had invited me, and then I just Claudio. forgot. Yeah, that yeah. was a Claudio. It's okay. You're doing my show. That's more important. But <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. There's beef over at their network, guys. No, no, no. There's there's no beef. Uh, but but you know, I, I see where you're going. Um, what what since since you know you Sorry. brought up something. No, it's okay. I just spilled water everywhere. <laughs> 
existential uh, questions because we seem to to be very similar in character as well in terms of the questions that we ask each other, the things that we talk about. Um, I just, you know, it, just to add the, as the last portion here of the of the, of the show tonight, sure, is w- when you see the state of the world, um, and more in particular in Quebec and Canada, where do, where do we go from here? What what do you? I mean, look, uh, it's guys like me who should be asking those questions. And I mean, guys like me or people like me, like, I mean, artists, right? The people who are making art. Uh, I mean, okay, arguably, I'm not making that much art anymore. I'm doing something different, but still. Um, I'll I'll answer this question with no real answer and like a a story, an anecdote, right? Good. I love it. In 2012, uh, I made my first ever, um, what's the word I'm looking for? like festival uh, film. Okay. It's called hashtag Sudocracy, right? Okay. And it was about what was going on in Greece at the time, which was the, the financial crisis. And yes. I had noticed a trend that media was starting to take truths and spin them. I mean, spin them is not the right word, but it was one of the first times in my life that I started seeing headlines that were wrong and later retracted still circulating. And I realized it doesn't really matter what's real anymore. All that matters is what people read. And a lot, most people have lost the capacity for long form uh, ingestion of content. Like they won't read an essay. I love to read essays. It's the weirdest thing. I don't read a lot of books like fiction books, mm-hmm. but I will read essays. Like my wife's like, what the fuck are you reading? I go, it's an essay about how they found this bone. She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I go, it's so super interesting. So I'll be, I'll be with you in a minute. You know, like I'll just get obsessed with like, I have a question. I go on to Quora. I find a bunch of guys fighting it about it. Then I go and I find a bunch of papers that scholarly articles, half of which I can't understand, but I still read it. Right. Sure. Try. Most people do not do that. Um, so what happens is you, you have this pseudocracy. You are governed by lies. We're all governed by lies. As we slip towards the singularity, towards the metaverse, towards this new version of the internet, that's going to become more prominent. The only difference is, the lies are now reality because if, if what's real online in the digital space is more important than what's real out here, then that's, what's real. So your question doesn't apply itself to what's happening. We're in a, we're in a period of great change, right? Yes. Like we're like, we're, this we're, is, this is going to be as big as the internet was what's happening. And I don't mean a, the metaverse only. No, no, we're, we're at a, I understand that we're at a crossroads in history right now. And you know, at the risk of sounding old school, old guy. yeah, yeah, I honestly miss the old days, Phil, because I, I, this is the way I see it, and I'm gonna try to kind of um, answer my own question. Is I always ask questions, and but I feel that we're living in a time when, in history, we are void of any real problems. We're 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 never in danger. We've never been uh, in uh, missing food, missing safety, missing uh, homes. It, I feel like we're making problems. We're finding problems. I mean, you're talking about the woke, the whole woke culture, right? Just, yeah, just the, just the general. I mean, I find I, mean, I don't th- have the same disdain. Like I've heard you speak about it before, the woke culture, and and Pantelis goes hard. I don't have the same disdain for it that uh, that that you guys seem to. I mean, I'm I dislike inter- it a lot. I'm a interested. Lot. Okay. Um, 
but sometimes I can see the merit in things being said and I, not in like, oh, this hurts my feelings. It shouldn't be spoken about. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't mean that because that's completely anathema to everything I believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, Phil my whole byline, like under the name, my name is Phil and I have questions. Like, yeah. I just have questions, right? So if I can't even ask those questions, it's a problem. But at yes. the same time, I realize that a lot of times we're running with sensationalized bits of information. And those are what do the rounds. And then we forget because we see how ridiculous, like, a guy who looks like a wrestler wearing a skirt saying, call me ma'am, and beating someone up is, you know, <laughs> macho ma'am, I don't remember what we had called it, but we see how ridiculous that is. And then we forget that in that same grouping of humanity, there are people that just want to live their fucking lives and they're not bitching about anything. They're just like, look, yeah, I was a dude. I don't want to be a dude anymore. I'm yeah. not okay with it. I uh, Gender dysphoria is a real thing. Like, mm-hmm. so... I feel like sometimes by attacking the woke culture, which they are not the creators of, they're just, they're like us. They're just trying to live their fucking lives. We end up listening just to the loudest people. So I truly wonder how representative what we read and then what we rib on on the shows actually is. Sometimes I worry that we're doing damage to society by the well things said. we say. I, I worry, that's one thing that, and, and I've actually issued on our fake news show. I've, it's a fake fucking news show. I've issued <laughs> retractions because we made mistakes. When we lie as a joke and it's obvious, all good. But when I misrepresent the facts, yeah, like I'm not a journalist, but I mean, I've made documentary films. I'm, I don't, I don't know if I'd call myself a documentarian, but I'm still a filmmaker. Like I feel an obligation, right? Pantelis is a comedian, right? He's a fucking yeah. comic. His job <laughs> is to make you laugh. Yeah. That's not my job. I mean, sometimes I make you laugh. I'm funny on, on occasion. Yeah. My show is not a comedy show. My dad's biggest thing, because he tried to watch it, he's like, Nobody wants to hear you, bitch. Why don't you tell some funny jokes? <laughs> like, he used to say this about my movies, too, because they're all very, very dark yeah. and very, very introspective. And they ask a lot of questions, except for the zombie movie. That's a zombie movie. He goes, why don't you make something funny? People want to laugh. Make me laugh, Phil. And then I started doing this just thing. He's like, it's funny, but it's a bit crude. I'm like, all right, you know what? Leave me alone, Bill. Well, you see, you said something in there, Phil, is that... A lot of things. No, I know, but one thing that stood out is I believe that, in, and it could be, uh, it could be placed in various forms of society is the failure to be able to consume long-form media. So yeah. what what I'm seeing is all those people that are being loud than others. It's not a uh, sorry. What's the word I'm looking for? It's not uh, universal, right? Certain yeah. long-form media can be absorbed, specifically yes. audio, hence yes. a podcast. But go on. But what I'm what I meant is like they're compartmentalizing one little aspect of something or a, a certain movement. Yeah, they're looking at and, it in the vacuum, and, and that and that's and that's the problem, right? And and you could look at it both ends. I I could be guilty of it, and you know when I when I complain about woke wokeism, but they could be also uh, guilty of it because they're only talking about oh I listened to Joe Rogan for five minutes in a three hour conversation. I mean, right? that happens a lot. And that's the problem with because they, people seem to only be able to uh, ingest long form audio content, right? Now, no one's doing long reading, right? Blogs are dying. Yep. They listen to Rogan. Rogan says a lot of interesting stuff. He also has a lot of nonsense. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts. Excuse <laughs> me. I kind of slowed down on that sparkling water. <laughs> it's like sat right there. But yeah. so they'll listen to a bit of it, right? Oh, I saw the whole episode. No, you didn't. Yeah. No, you didn't. Like, I listened to the entire Peter McCullough episode. It was boring as fuck. Yes, it was. But I knew that it was going to be discussed 
ad nauseum. I knew I had to listen to it all. Same thing with the Robin Malone interview. Same thing. I, the I fact gonna... that no one's talking about it in the mainstream media means there must be some nuggets of truth in there. I need to hear it. Right? Same thing with this new thing that's circulating Twitter now. I talked about it on the morning show. Uh, Pants wasn't around. He had a lot of info on it because he had been reading about it. Mm-hmm. This vaccine-acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. Okay. Not a single mainstream media has come out to like disprove it. No fact checkers, nothing. That on its own scares me because that feels like suppression. Like they're just ignoring it. Well, is it real? I don't fucking know. I, I'll say exactly what's on the morning show. I have no idea if there's any merit here. It uh, seems disclaimer. like there isn't. We, myself, or Phil are not doctors. Disclaimer on the agree to disagree show. I mean, if you're taking fucking medical advice from me and this guy in his basement, <laughs> ask yourself some serious some fucking serious questions. questions. <laughs> Speak to a, not a medical, a mental health professional. Because <laughs> if you're taking, and this is the fight I have with Pants. He goes, if people are coming to me for, for news, I can't help them. They're dumb. He's... If they're coming to a stand-up comic for fucking cutting edge news and what the truth is, they should be coming for laughs, in my opinion. If they don't know that, I can't help them. I have no responsibility. You're right. Right? I, and I was like, okay, I mean, I don't, I don't agree with that. Because as a filmmaker, I assume always, I have to assume, the, like a high level of intelligence of my audience. Otherwise, I would make terrible films all the time. Because I would spoon feed you every piece of information, yeah. right? When it about- comes to something like this, this is much more subjective. It's much more subtle. I don't know what people know. I don't know when people know I'm joking, right? Yes. Like, so, and with Pantelis, I've had trouble as well sometimes because he's just so good, right? He's so subtle yeah, he has, at it. The ability, his ability to deadpan say the most. Like, I'll tell you guys a secret. He's the nicest guy in the world. No, <laughs> he I know. Hates when I tell people that he's, he, he hates he it. Seems like it, but he's fucking hilarious, and you just. I just sometimes he like, catches me off guard and i've known him my whole life yeah What's this is true? the guy who when i broke up with my ex-girlfriend and i was sad he's like i feel like i'm gonna cry man i'm so upset for you <laughs> you know what i mean like that's the type of person he is but uh his, his persona on stage is not a persona he's like that but he's just so good at doing it like poseidon is the best because he he never knows when we're serious it's like he doesn't have the ability to discern yeah, yeah. so like well, we'll go off sometimes and he doesn't even know Look at this. Pantelis helped me when I was in pain. And and that's Claudio from Dirty Four. So Claudio Capri, we were talking about before. Um, just just to go back to what to, just just as a funny note here. Yeah. Uh, my uh, no, sorry, right here. My good friend Tony Cheech says it's not a lie if you believe it. Before we were Costanza talking about school life. of thought, man. <laughs> exactly. Like a Stanza school of psychology. <laughs> Hold papers, look busy, believe the lie. Fake it till you make it. Is I'm not even faking said? it. I already made it. That's the lie. <laughs> I mean, one day I'll make it, I guess. Uh, you know, I, I think we will. Uh, I think, I think, uh, no, I, I honestly believe it, Phil, because um, I think in, in the, <laughs> no, I'm not talking. The on, way you on. said it, you're like, I, I think you might. Yeah. I don't no, know. no, no, hold on, hold on. Let, let me correct myself again. I'm going to, not a disclaimer, but let me, let me retract my statement Go in ahead. terms of podcasting. Um, you know, I, I tell my wife, I wish I could just do podcasts all day and and earn enough money to to for the family and i'd be happier than 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 um than a pig in mud let's say but you know until that day happens uh obviously you got to work but i think this this is a grind it's not easy you got we got to be at it for a long time and i just started working with a client he's a financial advisor who wants to talk all things future tech he wants Mm -hmm. our youtube channel right uh, it's a marketing tool for him. 
And he goes to me, he goes, we're going to do podcasts, right? I go, yeah. He goes, are you going to do them with me? I'm like, I don't really feel like I should. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not paying for my likeness. You're paying for my skill set. Yeah. Um, I go, I, I'll do an episode with you if you want at some point. He goes, but we'll get you a guest, you know? He's like, I think I'm going to need guests because I don't think I can do what you're doing. I go, what do you, because he likes film my whole, like he's a fan of the show. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, like, just go stream of consciousness for, because sometimes I go for an hour. Most episodes are about 25, 35 minutes. Yep. But a few times I've looked down, I'm like, an hour and 20 minutes, I should shut up. So, and I told him what I'll tell you. It's a grind and it's hard, the solo stuff. But here's the thing. You guys only see the episodes that I put out. It is very difficult. Yeah. Three quarters of what I record never sees the light of day because it's bad. <laughs> it's, it's bad, bad, bad. Like, objectively bad. You can't even follow what I'm saying. I mean, there are good episodes where you can't follow what I'm saying, but at least it's interesting. Yeah, um, absolutely it is. I wish I had a bigger fan base. Uh, like, I don't, I don't really know what I'm sitting at in terms of audio listens right now. I don't really ever check because uh, I'm not as concerned with the audio side of it mm-hmm. because I'm a filmmaker, because I'm a video content creator. I want the video of it to be, you know, consumed more. Yeah. Uh, I do okay. The Facebook views are better. LinkedIn seems to be really good for short clips. But uh, every time I'm like, I don't want to fucking do it. I'm tired. I don't have anything to talk about. The second I do it, the second it goes out and people start to respond to it, it's fucking drugs. Yeah. Right? Like, I love my wife makes fun of me because I listen to my own podcast in the car when I'm driving. She's like, Why are you doing that? I go, I want to see it. Like, is my flow good? Is the audio quality good? She goes, You just like listening to yourself. And I'm like, That's also true. Yes. (laughs) My favorite podcast on the internet is my own. (laughs) <laughs> i swear phil i do the same but yeah, I, I honestly i honestly listen because i'm like what can i do better what did i yeah what i'm just can trying I... to figure out yeah like my, my movies i don't watch often um and i don't i mean I, on premieres like when we've done premieres i like to like me and my buddy peter because he would always he was my, my production partner we would go and we'd go to the front of the theater and we'd watch the crowd right because we've seen the movie we made it we don't give a shit mm-hmm. so we would sit and watch and 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 I just, I think it's Hitchcock who said, you don't direct the actors in the film, you direct the audience, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember the first time that we put, like my first festival film, the one I was talking about, Sudocracy, there's, a, there's like a jaw drop, like out of the blue moment in the film, right? That like, you don't see coming, it's purposely subverted the buildup, right? Mm-hmm. And I go, people are going to lose it. I go, some people are going to walk out. He's like, come on. And when it happened, like it's it's pure fucking adrenaline like to make something and to put it out in the world and to have it do exactly what you want and for people to engage with it and feel something and ask questions not only about the actual content but just ask questions ask themselves questions it's it's why i have a god complex <laughs> yeah no no I, I i i totally feel you i totally feel when when you know there's that episode that just clicks um and and uh it's hard. It's really hard to explain the euphoria that comes from that and the feeling that comes from that. So um, it's, it's not this. I don't think it is. I mean, the, the, the act of trying to describe it, how hard it is, is why people make art to try and describe it. Right. Yeah. And and podcasts get a bad rap. I I think podcasts aren't considered an art form. They're considered a medium. Fine. But I think they are an art form. And I I did a whole episode trying to figure out if I'm still making art a few weeks ago. (laughs) Um, I think I, they're the art of speaking. I like that. I, really, I, like I, I believe that. Like I consider philosophy, philosophy to be a high art, 
to be completely honest. I don't know if that's like a common thing, but I, I feel that way. Um, and especially solo podcast or at least discussion or like, if you don't have like a, this way you got Montreal, top 10, yeah. teens. like if you're not doing, that's not our yeah. fuck that shit. No, 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 no. Trash. That's fine. It's reality TV. That's yeah, we're not it, talking it about radio. It has its here. place. It has its place. Um, but I really do believe that podcasting is an art because the feeling that I get when I do the live premieres, because it's not live, I don't do what you do. Mm-hmm. And mostly because I don't have the bladder for it. I always have to pee. So I just record <laughs> it and then I live, I send it out. Um, the feeling I get when people engage with it or I'll get like an emoji for a joke, even on the morning show, it's very, very similar to the feeling I get when I get to see like this movie that I made, this baby go out into the world and do its own thing. Because the second it it gets screened, the podcast and a film or anything, the second it's been seen, you're no longer, it's not yours anymore. It's not yours anymore. Yeah, I like it's that. It's not yours anymore. Yeah. It's something else. Like, like I, I think about this way too often, which is probably why I'm anxious. Like, I want to know that like when I'm dead, my kids can watch my movies, watch my podcasts and know me. Like, I, I, I really, you know I, I mean? think you, didn't you mention that in one of your episodes? I talk about it all the time. Yes, I think about and, death way and, too much. Yeah. It, and it, it, it really got, honestly, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because my, my kids are watching me do it now, but you know, they're like, I mentioned before, they're 12 and eight and actually Mateo's going to be nine in a, in a, in a week or a week or two. Um, I don't think they're comprehending 100% exactly what I'm doing. They think and you're talking to your friends. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But 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 you know it's it, it amazes me and you know why I feel so deeply about this this medium and and about podcasting in general is cuz I remember when I was starting Phil and how I listened to all the naysayers because you know they say everybody needs to yeah. put you down and only because they don't have the courage to do it themselves. And like you, I always thought I had a big mouth. My mom always told me I had a big mouth. My friends always told me I had a big mouth. And I said, I got to do this. I got to try. And had I stopped, had I listened to all those naysayers, you wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be doing this. And you know what? It got me through the pandemic, man. It it was literally like it got me through the pandemic, too, because we lost, I lost every other outlet I had, everyone. Like I lost this just thing, I lost client work. Uh, and jokes aside, the airplane thing, although it ended poorly because of the pandemic and a bunch of other factors, like at some point, at first I hated it. I'll be honest. Mm -hmm. I I didn't like it. I didn't like being away from my daughter. It made me very upset. She was very, very young. And like, I was convinced she was going to forget that I existed because I'd be gone for like a week and a half at a time. Um, there was something it, it, I was producing some of the highest level quality content uh, that I've ever produced, not individually, but on a regular basis uh, with these monstrous machines, right? And no one else in the entire industry, that private aviation industry was doing it. So like I was actually blazing a trail, me and Manny, who was the marketing director who hired me. Mm -hmm. And and it felt so fucking good. And they were letting me do whatever they, Manny was letting me do whatever I wanted. He's like, go out. He used to call me the marketing unicorn because he goes, go out and just make stuff because I can do a bunch of different things. Like Mm -hmm. I've picked up other skills along, uh, along my career. Right. Like, uh, you know, photo editing and photo video. I'm good with audio. I can, like, I understand basic marketing. I can do some website design. Like I can do a bit of everything. Mm -hmm. And then this is one thing that I do really well. Um, so like, I just, I had this creative freedom and my life was going in a direction that I was very happy with, but I remember exactly what you just said. People saying stuff like, I go to film school. What are you going to do? I go, I don't know, but I have to try. 
I honestly thought I would never work. I thought I was going to have a, some shit job for the rest of my life. And uh, every year or every two years, I'd make a short film. Eventually, I'd get too old and I wouldn't want to. And then maybe I'd make one more. Then one day I'd die. Now, that's what I thought was going to happen. But I'm a nihilist. I always assume the worst outcome, so I'm always pleasantly surprised. You should, my you wife should. is the reason I ever stepped foot away from my steady job. She pushed me really hard. Without Anna, I mean, I'd still be stamping stamps at the CLSC. Oh, you know what? Uh, I can't. And and you know, I'm going to quote the old adage that uh, be, behind every successful man or a happy man, because now that's a new meaning is a success is a, a woman, uh, a strong woman that supports them. And my wife is a social worker by trade, by education, and uh, you know she's she's led me out of, out of a few black um, paths. Let's put it that way. The, the 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 what did my friend used to call him? He was from Greece, so he had a funny accent. But he's called it the black black hole. <laughs> the, yeah, don't go in the black black hole. Don't don't me. go in the black black hole. No, yeah, when and we were too when we were too high, he's like, don't go in the black black hole. Don't well, go there. That's my my wife's yeah. um, magic powers. That she sees me. I'm almost there, and she'll stop me right before I go into the black hole. And she says, "Mine too." Uh, she knows exactly when I I crossed the line that I shouldn't have. Yeah, like uh, you know what, Lou. Uh, you don't like this job, change jobs. It's time. I don't care. We'll figure it out financially, whatever. Just do it. Yeah, uh, you we'll know what, Lou? You miss doing podcasting. Do it. Now's the time. COVID, you're home. Just do it. I see you want to do it. Just do it. Just do it. And uh, I mean, I can't she's right, you. though. She's right. She is. Sometimes she you is. can't see things of uh, like, I mean, the people closest to you will see more of you than uh, than you can see, right? Like you're, you can't see your, your forest for your trees kind of thing. I don't know if yeah. that makes sense, but. But my wife is definitely that for me. She many times she's been able to figure out like you're you're not okay. times when I didn't know I wasn't okay, and she's like you're not okay. I'm like I'm fine. What's wrong? Yeah. Um, because this like rambling thing that I do, mm -hmm. I don't, it's not a nervous uh, reaction. It's just it's the, the pace at which I speak. Like I have too many ideas. There's too many things I want to say. And yeah, no, and uh, often I'll come home after a long day or whatever. And now we have it was different before because we didn't have kids. But now that we have kids, basically we don't really speak to each other much right after we get home. Because you know, like, there's a million things to do awesome. with the kids. We do some stuff. We'll chat, and like, I'll, I'll like, I felt like I ignore her. Or anything. We're together, but we don't have like, we'll talk, but we won't speak to each other really. We're I just, feel you. It's all completely utilitarian. Like, you know where this is? Let's eat dinner. How's the food? I really like it. I don't like it. Whatever. The second the kids go to sleep, like, we'll just like, I'll just talk to her till I'm out of breath. Sometimes like, she just she just <laughs> listens to me. She doesn't say anything. She just listens. She's like, you can do this all night. I'm like, yep. And she, she loves it. She turns on record. She turns on record. She has her own podcast at home. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Phil, uh, we went into almost Joe Rogan territory here. An hour oh, and a yeah. half. What are we doing? What's an hour and a half. An hour and a half. Yeah. And I got a pee. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus so listen, but uh, it's it fun, man. Yeah, it was really, it was a great conversation. I honestly, I had my list here of questions. I don't think we got into any of them, which is a success for me. Which okay, I okay. Love it. One minute, do it. Ask me all your questions. I'll answer them in, in three words. No, no, no. Okay, just one. I just won because I okay, feel bad. Okay. Um, what is your biggest failure in your life? What did you learn from it? Oof. Right at the end. Oh, <laughs> fuck, man. I just chose that one. I knew it was going to be a hard one. God damn. <laughs> my biggest failure in life? I don't think I've ever failed at anything to the point where I consider it to be a failure because everything I failed at has led me to something else. Ooh, I, I, like I, I really can't think of a single time where I look back. I'm like, fuck, I failed. I Not like once. that. I like that. I like that. But if you really need a time 
Uh, every time I try to play sports, very bad at sports. Okay. Yeah, very bad at sports. But yeah, no, no. I, I wouldn't consider any of my failures failures. They were things that I learned. I know that sounds like a fucking Instagram quote, but yeah, yeah. That's, that's how I feel about it. It's could, true. Could, you know what? We'll put some cheesy music in the background. Don't you dare. <laughs> I'm going to put a fucking content copyright flag on this episode. Take it down. <laughs> Phil, thanks so much, man. It's thanks been a blast. Um, where could people find you? It's going to be in the show notes internet. anyway. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that, no. What is uh, that? So uh, I'm pretty easy to find because I'm the only Phil Balabanos. There used to be another, but he passed away. We miss him. Uh, my grandfather. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was named after him. Uh, so balabanos.com is my Same website. here, by the way. Same here, by the way. Same thing. Uh, Luigi, the, Luigi Primo. Luigi Costanza. Yeah. yeah. I'm the second. Yeah. Um, yeah, balabanos.com is my website. I mean, if you want to watch my videos, my movies, that kind of stuff, you just want to see what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. That's there. On the first page, there is every link to everything I do. Okay. And if you want to find me anywhere else, because you, for some reason, I don't know why you would, but you wouldn't want to go to my website, just write Phil Balabanos and I will come up very quickly. Okay, awesome. And so- the morning show is live twice a week, so you guys should definitely come check it out. Yes, it is. Absolutely, guys. Trust me, it's worth your while. Check it out. It's amazing. If not, you could even go look at uh, uh, previous episodes. It's all uh, on the YouTube. Pet yeah, yeah, everything's still there, yeah. yeah. So, And if people want to, to look into what services you offer, how could they contact you and for that same Balabanos. thing? Com, there's okay. a contact page, and there's also an outline of exactly what I do. I think there's actually a video where I explain what I do. Probably okay. poorly because I probably did this. I just talked too much. Uh, but basically, my primary service is building high quality cinematic, like cinematic level. I don't know why I'm holding a knife. <laughs> Call me. Uh, high quality <laughs> cinematic uh, story driven content, right? Not that okay. clickbaity where there's so many words and you're getting an ad every so often. But like, yeah. I want, I go into a business any size, I spend time with them, I figure out who they are, why they do what they do, and yeah. what they do really well. And then I tell that story in video. I mean, that's the simplest way to describe it. Awesome. And I make a, I'm make making a promise to my viewers that uh, I'm going to speak to Phil after this, and he's going to make me an intro and an outro to my show. Oh, God. How Get about in that? line, buddy. You, George is still waiting for his intro. <laughs> the, by the way, did you do the TED in, uh, when they did that video at the beginning? Wait, uh, was that done the by intro? you? No, yeah, the intro and, wasn't done. The intro wasn't done by me. The trailer was done by me. The trailer. That's what I was talking about. Sorry, the trailer. That is, you know, you asked me for my biggest failure. That was the greatest success of my career. Watching Terry and Ted almost cry <laughs> was like here. Like I clipped it. I clipped him talking about it and I put it on my LinkedIn. It just sits there right at the top. Cause like fucking best thing I ever did. It took me three hours to make. It, it was beginning to end. So good. And guys, if for those of you who don't know, we're, ta- we're talking about the legendary Terry radio Ted, personalities, yeah. Terry DeMontigny and Ted Bird. And by the way, um, I, I don't know them personally. I've spoken to Ted. Ted's been on my show. The Could, nicest is, guys. Is there two nicest guys no, in the planet? No nicer guys than those two. I just honestly I, having them here has been like uh, the highlight of the year. They're just because I grew up listening to them. Same here. And and I was just like I thought they would be these big heads, these like big. They're not. They're just the nice. Not they're nice guys. Not at Terry all. was slapping me because uh, like they asked me. I'll do this quick. They asked me for the video, right? I was like, okay. They walked in. I go, sure, let's shoot it right now. They're like, oh, right now? I'm like, yeah, let's go. We shoot it. He goes, I want to do this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I understand what you want to do. Don't worry. That's what I do. We go downstairs. They go in to record an episode. They come out. I'm eating a fucking steak panini from Gentile up the street. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, you want to watch the video? Like, They're like, you're done? I'm like, yeah, oh, I got you like two, three, maybe 10 minutes to do. Just, you know, flush out a few cuts. 
they're like, okay, let's see the rough cut. These are guys who have been in broadcasting for a long time, right? I know. They're standing over me. Like, I mean, you can't see it. It's like, my desk used to be there. And they're both here. And they're like, what the fuck? What the fuck is this? It's, who is this guy? It's so amazing to see the level of appreciation. They're like two little kids. The, the level yeah. of appreciation that they have towards all of you uh, for, for making this and for, for doing all this stuff for them. I've and done way better work. For way bigger clients mm-hmm. who were not as in, like enthusiastic as Terry and Ted were, like just, they made me feel appreciated. That's why I'm so yeah. happy about it, right? Yeah, like yeah. I did and, something that I'm proud of, and they love it. And 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 they do, and they're just you know. I, I know I was talking to Ted, and he's like, you know what, Luigi? When this thing is over, we could go for a coffee, and I'll just give you whatever advice. And it's just just amazing. I I mean, I can't say enough. Super about nice that. guys. Yeah, yeah. Then the, yeah. they're, they're, they're legends for a reason. Phil, thanks so much. It's been fantastic. I really yeah, enjoyed this conversation. Um, I haven't and, been out uh, this late since before curfew. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> so thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Phil, stay on. We'll talk uh, off sure. offline a little bit. Yeah. And uh, thanks, everyone. Thanks so much. And uh, take care. Have a great evening and have an even better weekend. We agreed to disagree. Ciao. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Agree to Disagree show. Make sure you like, subscribe, and tell all your friends about it. Until next time.